Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Well, greetings, listeners. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we're hoping you're having a great day, and we're actually hoping even more it's better after listening to this podcast. (laughs) And we're going to continue our series on drawing lines. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, God. It always starts with God. It always does. We're going to draw a line on his uh, personal relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, one God and blessed in the Trinity, the blessed Trinity. So the, this week, though, we're going to turn our attention to another place we want to draw the line because we need an anchor, Paula. Yeah. It is crazy, crazy, crazy out there. It is. Yeah. Everyone seems, not everyone, but there's a lot of people who are adrift in society. Yeah. And society is adrift. It, for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. But even in the church, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. So many things are happening in yeah. the church. Yeah. Methodist churches are leaving their denomination because of the false views of marriage that some of them have um, purported. The Anglican churches in the global south are breaking away. What is the anchor that we need to hold on to? Yeah, well, um, let's hold off to the answer. I want to hold off because I want to go down a a little bit of a rabbit trail. Yeah, Um, (laughs) not to exaggerate, but um, we're in a serious battle. I mean, society and Western society, Western civilization is in a serious battle. We're watching it crumble before our eyes. Yeah. And uh, everyone's talking about the battle. I mean, yeah. it's it, this is not like just a little Christian intramural debate. This is a worldwide debate of what's going on in society and, and right. Western values and morals that have been held for thousands of years are being thrown out and being turned upside down. And and this is really coming to a head in the trans movement. Yeah, I want to jump in on that a little bit, though, because we just got back from a trip. We were overseas. Yeah. We visited the continent of Africa yeah. and also Europe. Very yeah. different yeah. things. And people are feeling this about yeah. the U.S. Yeah. If we think they aren't, we were we were the steady ones for yeah. a long time. Yeah, it's funny. Africa's looking at like what's going on. And like some of the Europeans are like, well, why aren't you catching up to us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When we were walking down some of the North African cities that we were in, and you just, they're not, they're not worrying about some of the issues where I, I didn't see the, um, yeah, the issues aren't there that are here. Right. But in Europe, they've actually progressed in some of the areas we're still debating. Yes. And so that's, they're Unfortunately. actually, yeah, they're actually gluing themselves to the ground and climate protests and if you didn't see that part of the people who literally cemented their hands and then they were trying to remove them and the pain that they were being caused well yeah you glue yourself to the ground (laughs) you probably are going to have some pain getting off and it really helps a lot doesn't it yeah yeah but here in america where i think we're really seeing it um so intense now is in the trans debate yeah trans yes for sure transitioning i i guess it means just trans Transitioning, uh, yeah. yes. Transitioning, yeah, <laughs> from male to female and yeah. ma- female to male. Yeah. And, you know, the question, can a bi- you know, the big de- debate now is, uh, can the biological males compete in women's sports or can biological males uh, use a woman's locker room? These are heated debates that it's are going- vice versa. Did you ever think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one I of mean, the things- I mean, maybe it is, but you're not reading it. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're not reading biological women who want to compete in men's sports. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's- That's it's interesting. Yeah. It, mm. it, yeah. Yeah, oh, they're just so crazy. I mean, but but this is in Congress. This is in mm-hmm. uh, president has talking about it and has talked about it. Vice president has talked about it. Uh, there, 
was it Louisiana? I think it was that where the the legislation voted to not allow gender affirming. What is that? What they call it, gender affirming surgeries to minors. The governor vetoed it, mm-hmm. and then uh, the legislation overrode his veto. But here's what I, you know, I'm a Twitter guy and I never post on Twitter cause I, <laughs> I just don't want to cause controversy. I want, I want to talk about Jesus more than my snarky comments on Twitter, but I like <laughs> reading it cause I like reading what people's opinion and you do get information faster. And anyways, I'm not supporting Twitter, it's, but, <laughs> but actually I saw a post where one of the legislative Congress person in Louisiana who voted f- to, to ban gender affirming for minors, a professor from a university caught him up and he recorded the the message. It was so hate filled. The language was so vile and just so of the professor. Yeah. The professor literally saying, I hope you, I'm going to dance when you die. You F and F and F and this. I mean, like this is a professor. I mean, this is a guy supposed to have some knowledge and, you know, education decorum, and wisdom, decorum. Maybe. Yeah. And, and it just showed you how vile this debate has become. Yeah. And, and evil. It, it's, vile, it's a spiritual right battle. Yeah. I mean that, that it really is. If we don't think it's demonic, um, you have your head in the ground. Yeah. So we need an anchor. We need yeah. an anchor. When we talk about it. now just to, we came across the clip recently. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, it, it really hit home this reality of the battle and why it's so intense and why it's just not going to go away. It, it isn't. Um, you're, we're going to play this for you. It's a clip by a woman named Helen Joyce on a podcast, very recent one. She is a journalist and author of the book, Trans, When Ideology Meets Reality. Now, a little bit of a caveat disclaimer, we are not advocating for her. She's controversial, and in her interview with Jordan Peterson, um, she, what, that, that interview was actually banned on YouTube. Um, we don't know about her spiritual life, and that is not our point. Our point is simply what she says in the clip and the reality of why drawing lines in some of these issues in this particular one, it's the trans ideology. It's going to be so difficult. And why many Christians will be cowards, that they will be. And, and pr- we, we pray we aren't. We pray we stand for righteousness. But we need to draw lines and we need to not compromise. So take a listen and see what she says here. It's coming. It works, but I'm going to play it. I don't know. Maybe it's not going to work. And because that's the people who transition their own children. So those people are going to be like, you know, the Japanese soldiers who were on Pacific Islands and didn't know the war was over. Right. They've got to fight forever. This is why this is another reason why this is the worst, worst, worst social contagion that we'll ever have experienced. A lot of people have done the worst thing that you could do, which is to harm their children irrevocably because of it. Those people will have to believe that they did the right thing for the rest of their lives, for their own sanity and for their own self-respect. So they'll still be fighting. And each one of those people destroys entire organizations and entire friendship groups. Like I've lost count of the number of times that somebody has said to me of a specific organization that has got turned upside down on this. Oh, the deputy director has a trans child or, you know, oh, the journalist on that paper who does special investigations has a trans child or whatever. The entire organization gets paralyzed by that one person. And it may not even be widely known at the organization that they have a trans child, but it will come out like people will have sort of said it quietly. And now you can't talk truth in front of that person. And you know you can't. Because what you're saying is, 
you as a parent have done a truly like human rights abuse yes. level of awful thing to your child that cannot be fixed. There are specific individuals who are really actively against women's rights here and it's not known why they are, but I happen to know through the back channels that it's because they've trans their child. And so those people will do anything for the entire rest of their lives to destroy me and people like me because people like me are a standing reproach to them. I don't want to be. I'm not talking directly to them. I don't spend my time bitching about them. But the fact is that just simply by saying we will never accept NATO males in women's spaces, well, it's their son that we're talking about. And they've told their son that he can get himself sterilised and destroy his, his um, sexual function and women will accept him as a woman. And if we don't... There's no way back for them and their child. They've sold their child a bill of goods that they can't deliver on. And I'm the one who has to be bullied to try to force me to deliver on it. So that, so those people are going to be the people who will keep this bloody movement going, I'm sorry to say, because they've everything to lose. And it's a fight to the death as far as they're concerned. Yeah, so there you go. That is so insightful because yeah. we don't think about it like that. I I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. It's um, first I want to apologize. <laughs> you could tell our high profile production here of uh, <laughs> we're trying to play it. And uh, so, um, but it, it's the reality. Yeah. These people have lied to their children and they have to defend it now. Yeah. We, how, okay. And you know, you're starting to see this is you're starting to see these kids come out yeah. Um. Uh, uh, speak out. I guess I should say from this, they're now adults. Many of them, who had gone through the medical transitioning, and they're crying out against it. Yeah, the detransitioning movement is very yes. vocal out there too, and and saying that they shouldn't be doing these surgeries. And that's the thing, and that's where we do draw the line. Okay, let's just make a, let's go down that road for a second. This isn't the point of our podcast, but okay, it's one thing if you're dressing up in other sex clothes, you know, women wearing men's clothes and men's wearing women's clothes and calling yourself a girl. That's why but when you're doing surgery, you're doing irreparable surgery and hormone blockers and those kind of things. Now you're going down a road that the society needs yeah, to stand you can't up go for. Back from. Yeah. And yeah. Protect, protect children yeah. until, you know, when they get to be adults. But, but, but we have an answer. We do. We do. But I, I want to go back to that for a second because we see this in the church too. Mm. When it's one thing to have an anchor, but it's another thing when it's your child or your family. And we see fa people literally yeah. compromise and compromise because it's the family issue. Right. Yeah. And that's just where Jesus, you know, we talked about it in a few podcasts ago about Jesus' view of family. You have to stand for truth uh, mm -hmm. even when it's it's hard and when yeah. it's in your family. And so, and that woman, uh, Joy, what's her name? Helen Joy. She raises a great point. These people have to fight to the death almost on this issue to, for their own sanity because they know what they've done. Yeah. And so yeah. just realize how hard. Yeah, it how is. Hard. So that isn't really the point that we wanted to make, but we want to bring this point out to show you the depth of the battle that we're in. Yes. And these people aren't going to go, Oh, that's a good argument. Well, okay. We'll believe. No, they're going to keep coming after us and keep coming after us and keep coming after us. 
so that we have to agree with them. Mm -hmm. And so how are we going to respond? We need an anchor to hold on to because society is going to come after us. Yeah. So what's that anchor, Paula? And yeah, we have the answer. It's the scriptures, the (laughs) holy scriptures of God. Yeah. Well, wait a minute, Paula. A lot of gender affirming, (laughs) you know, gay marriage affirming churches and stuff. (laughs) They say they believe the Bible. So you know, how can you say the Bible's the answer? Right. And they twist it to say what they wanted to say. Wonderful things. Wait a minute. Let's say it. Wonderful things in the Bible I see, things that are are put put there by you and by by me. Yes. Yes. But I think this is the key difference. In fact, I know it's the key difference. It's literal hermeneutics. Uh, yes. Like just letting the Bible speak for itself. Yes. We did a po- didn't we talk about that in a podcast yep, not did. that long ago, right? Little, about literal hermeneutics. Yep. So go back and listen to that podcast. I don't even know what the title is. So. <laughs> yeah. We're we're real helpful on that. Yeah. But it's so important well, how you read your Bible. Yes. This is the debate now. It's like, oh, they make the Bible say anything you want. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you had an interesting experience this week. Yeah, I just got back from our overseas trip and uh, being the good husband I am, and I ran away to a monastery for a few days. <laughs> yeah, I went to a monastery. Actually, that was a really good husband thing, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, actually. You, yeah, well, I, you know, just spending some time praying and, and seeking God, that's a that's a good thing for That's marriage, funny. I just actually. talked to a young man yesterday who is very heavy in ministry and does great ministry, travels a lot in ministry. And we were talking about the spiritual disciplines. And I, we were, I said, and he, he agreed, he, like he needs to get away. You know, and he has three small kids and stuff. And I said, just remind your wife uh, that what you're going to do is going to make you a better husband and a better mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't disengage from the world and be with God uh, at certain points, you're, you're going to probably start compromising somewhere. But yeah. if you get away with the Lord, you'll actually be better. But yeah. anyway, so that's why I went away. Is that my justification yep. for going? Okay. So husbands, you could do that for your wives. Too. Yes. Uh, yeah. Husbands Let her have great. time to be with the Lord. Yeah it's, yeah. it's both and. Yep. But I was reading as I was just sitting in the pew one day and just praying and um, preparing my heart. Uh, I came, you know, I was reading the uh, Catholic Bible, the New American Bible that's approved by the U.S. bishops and the Catholic church hmm. and the Vat- I was reading the Vatican edition and in the introduction to the book of Tobit. So I was reading the book of Tobit, which is always an interesting book. If you've never read it, not in our Protestant Bibles. Yeah. So no. it's part of the Apocrypha and we don't believe it's inspired because there are blatant errors and there's magic in there. Um, talking about burning fish, uh, fish parts. <laughs> I want to say fish <laughs> gall. Gall. That's for some reason. That's the word that came to me. But anyways, Here's what it says in the introduction to that book. In the, in the, in the inspired author, so they acknowledge its inspiration. The mm-hmm. inspired author of the book used the literary form of religious novel, as in Jonah and Judith, for the purpose of instruction and edification. There may have been a historical nucleus around which the story was composed, mm. but this possibility has nothing to do with the teaching of the book. The seemingly historical data Names of kings, cities, etc., are used merely as vivid details to create interest and charm. Wow. Yeah. So, and okay. And if you read Tobit, you can see why they did that because there are there are bizarre things in there about magic potions, literally to drive off demons, and and there's historical problems in it. And so that's why they have to hurry and say it. But do you notice what they did? They threw Jonah in there with it. 
Yeah. So Jonah's just myth historical. Jonah, yeah, the bus. It's, it's just telling <laughs> us a story, and it might have some you know historical truth because it mentions the city of Nineveh, but probably the part about him being swallowed by a fish is not true. Hmm. So I guess when the Son of Man said that, uh, just as the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly and in the earth. I'm sorry. Just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly, there so shall the Son of Man be in the in the earth. Jesus said that mm. about himself, quoting Jonah. So we know what Jesus believed about um, the book of Jonah. Mm. But here they're saying that. And if that isn't interesting, why don't you read about the uh, what the, also the Catholic Bible says about the book of Genesis. And this is the one where we really want to get to. Yeah. It says, how should modern readers interpret the creation flood story in Gen- Genesis 2 through 11? The stories are neither history nor myth. Quote, myth is an unsuitable term for it has several different meanings and connotates untruth in popular English. History is equally misleading for it suggests that the events actually took place. Uh, the, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, we don't I'm even really need to, over the, that. to read, read the rest wow. of it. Wow. Yeah, yeah the Holocaust never took place because yeah. you can't trust history. Yeah. They, so they Sorry, say, that the, was my yeah. little, little thing there. Well, yeah, they say the best term is to call it creation flood story. In other words, let's make something up because yeah. we're not sure what to do with it. But we know it's not history because it suggests that history says that events actually took place. Yeah. What in the world? Okay, that's why they have to have the church interpret the Bible. You can't understand it. You have to let the church interpret it. And that's why the Pope ex cathedral, when he wants to speak, he has as much authority even more than as the Bible, because we'll take his words literally and explain it, but we don't know what the Bible actually means, if it's history or if it's not, if it's true or if it's not. If it's a myth or it yeah, isn't. Yeah, that's, that's just... crazy that is, wording. Yeah, that is, that is. Uh, so, now, but it's getting into evangelical circles more and more, conservative evangelical circles even. Yeah. In fact, at Wheaton College, there's a professor, a uh, brilliant Old Testament professor, and he's written books, and but... He takes Genesis, and it's the story of Genesis, the creation story, is really about showing theological ideas, and, and he he parallels it with the tabernacle in heaven, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's how, and I don't want to go all into that. But here's a quote from him, okay? This is a direct quote from, from this professor about Genesis. He says, it is this quest for meaning that makes history important. History should not be seen naively as an attempt to recount what really happened. Uh, isn't that's why it's called history? Yeah, it's but historical. yeah, not really. I mean, uh, some things really <laughs> happen, some things didn't, but that's not the point of history, they would say. A point of history is to teach a theological truth and stuff. No, 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 and no. I, mm. I cannot reject that more categorically. It can be actual events and teach us theology. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just, yeah, we get that. We understand that. The, the, the Old Testament writers were not just writing historical facts like they were just documenting things. They didn't just write bullet points of facts. That's <laughs> yeah. not what they, they were writing theology, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But they weren't lying about events to make their theology. Yeah. And a lie is something that contrary, that is contrary to, to reality. Yeah. And they write as if this really happened. Okay? They don't say once upon a time. Right. Why do we say once upon a time? Because that's a myth and we're denoting right then that it's myth. Yeah. That it's this a is story. a story. It's a legend. It's something like they don't yeah. do that. 
They say and they give events, they give historical data. And the awesome thing is we can go to archaeology and many other things and say, yes, it was, yeah. it existed. Yeah, exactly. So so if Jonah is not true, well, wait a minute, then why did they say Nineveh? Why did he say he was going to Tarshish? Why did he use these historical events? Mm-hmm. Why did he, you know, all these things. Why did he say the king repented? So did, did the king really repent? Did he not repent? Was God really going to judge them then? Uh, what I mean, was there really a plant that grew up over Jonah? I mean, which... What part are we going to believe is true or not? Yeah, if it's all myth, yeah. then then why would we even refer to it as historical like Jesus did in the New Testament? Why would we writer? put our lives on the line yeah, for it? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I like what Vance Havner said. You want to read this? It's a great, yeah, yeah. if you don't know Vance Havner, oh my goodness. he was an old saint, uh, 1940s, 50s preacher. Try and find oh one of his goodness. old sermons online. It's just incredible his preacher. Just find his quotes in their work. Yeah, yeah. He says, almost right is not right. It's like the message sent to a couple congratulating them on their engagement. Congrats, thinking of you. First John 418. Unfortunately, they per- forgot to put the first John and only put John 418. First John 418 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. John 418 says, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. <laughs> I thought that's pretty funny. So almost right is not yeah, right. Almost right is not <laughs> yeah. right. And that's it. And that's when it comes to the scripture. To, to almost be right is not right. Yeah. Yeah. You're either right or wrong. It's black or white. It's not this, oh, uh, it's what you interpret it to be. It's how you feel. What? No, there's truth and error. And that's why you, and you, you can't be a Christian and not believe in absolute truth. So yeah. I'm just going to call that out. Yeah, yeah, because that's out there in the world. Uh, there's no absolute truth, and that's yeah. just bogus. We've talked about that so much. Yeah, but let's ask the four questions, Paula. Yeah, I think that there are four questions to see if a person actually believes the Bible is the anchor for them. Because that's what we're coming back to. We need an yeah, anchor. We do. Is there something that's actually true that we can hold on to? Yeah. First one would be: Do you believe God literally created a perfect heaven and earth, as stated in Genesis chapter one? Yeah. Do you believe it? So we get into the evolution debate a lot. And, um, you know, I'm going to come back to, okay, you want to argue the age of the rocks and all that. Mm, Okay. I'm probably more young earth. I'll just call it out there, but I can live with my old earth brothers. If you don't know what that means, if you believe the earth was created over millions of years versus just, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands, um, we can debate that. We Mm. can discuss it, but I want to hear how you interpret Genesis one because are you telling me there was death before the fall? Mm. Are you telling me that God didn't create an image, but it just grew into being his image? Yeah. See, I think evolution has a lot harder problems explaining the Bible where creationists don't. Yeah. Well, and if we look at Jesus in his own words in Matthew nineteen four, he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? That was Jesus. Yeah. And then the beginning refers to Genesis 1, and he affirms the creation account by quoting Genesis 1.26, created them male and female. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the point. Jesus affirmed Genesis 1. He did. And so, yeah, there's just no compromise for me in that. Yeah. And uh, again, I, I actually feel like I've come a long way of giving old earth people uh, and people who believe you know, no, I, I, I actually don't. I, I'll, I'll, old earth people I have no problems with, but evolution I have big problems with. 
Because if you say that there was death and all that before the fall, we we got some problems. Yeah, yeah. God didn't create it good. Yeah. So our anchor is that we believe God created a perfect heaven and earth. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, the second one then is, do you believe God literally created Adam and Eve in his image and brought them together in marriage as told in Genesis chapters 1 and 2? Yeah. Well, it, that's where we are right now today, aren't we? Yes. In this battle. Yeah. And so here's your anchor. I mean, when you meet the transgender people, you meet the gay marriage supporting LGBTQI dot, dot, <laughs> dot. I, I mean, you get, so I left. That's a joke everybody makes now, right? All these different things keep, because it used to just be gays, lesbians. Now they're actually bi. Keep and now, adding. Yeah. Letters. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything. It, yeah. Anyway. We can go down. Ooh, that's evolutionary (laughs) (laughs) but But again matthew 19 we come back to the words of jesus right matthew 19 has jesus quoting generous genesis 2 24 for this reason a man a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this shows that he believed adam and eve were literal people and that god created marriage yeah so it's Okay, whatever our world decides, whatever the the government decides, now we have a right to vote, but if we get outvoted in the legislation and the, the judges and everybody supports gay marriage and we can't do anything about that, they'll, okay, I'm not going to shoot people. That's the whole thing. Christians, mm-hmm. you know, we're to love our enemies, but that doesn't mean we don't, we change and compromise what we believe. Right. So in the church, there is no debate here. Yeah. There is no, no. These churches that support gay marriage are so wrong. They have not a foot to stand on in the word of God. They've had to either become progressive or liberal Christians in how they view the scriptures. Liberal literally clearly says the Bible has errors. Progressives say it's a matter of interpretation. Mm. And they just don't read the Bible for what it says, and they make it say what they want to say. So they would say, well, Jesus... You know, Jesus was all about love. And so we're loving, you know, our, our neighbor by affirming gay marriage. That's just, that's just bizarre. Mm-hmm. That's just bizarre interpretation. No, just be a fundamentalist and be a literalist <laughs> and say the Bible says that God created male and female. That's who's supposed to be married. And it doesn't, oh, again, if you want to say civil union, you want to say something else, okay, do it. But don't redefine words that the Bible has made very clear. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no compromise on that. You know, if you want to say there's 46 genders, hey, you can say whatever you want. But the Bible says there's two, and I have to believe that. Yeah, that's right. No compromise. We draw lines there. Exactly. So that line is we believe in a literal Adam and Eve in God's image and brought them together in marriage. Yep. Exactly. Number three, do you believe God literally sent a worldwide flood on the earth as told in Genesis chapters six through nine? This is another one. Why is this so important, Doug? Well, because it affects how you view evolution in the ge- geological record. Mm. And, and so most people don't want to acknowledge a worldwide flood because it's myth. Ge- the, the right, I was just reading the Catholic, actually, I was reading the Catholic documents, and they were saying how they actually support the documentary hypothesis. Boy, they get a Wachowsian theory. <laughs> so, there's somebody out there listening who might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if you don't, in the 1800s, these great heretics came around and started picking apart the Bible saying, well, Moses didn't write Genesis. It's, it was There's J, the, the, the Jehovah people wrote part of it. And then there's the P, the priestly people wrote, part, wrote 
wrote part of it. There's the Elohim people who wrote part of it. And and the Deuteronomy people wrote part of it. it mm. It's just a bizarre theory. And it's accepted now. Even the Catholic Church says it's accepted. And then the, the flood story was written by some people who basically borrowed myths from the ancient Near East people. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's no, there was an actual flood and those people borrowed the truth and made their own interpretation of the mm. truth mm. that the Bible recorded. That's how you interpret the Near East, Air East, you know, the Near East people's story of the flood. The Gilgamesh epic is the famous one uh, that talks about the flood from the Babylonian perspective. And it's, yeah. Isn't it funny how we want to believe those myths, but we don't want to believe the Bible? Yeah, exactly. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Jesus affirmed the flood. I mean, you want to read Matthew 24? Yeah. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus gives no hint that's a myth. Mm. He parallels his coming, which is going to be actual with an actual event that happened before. And he makes it sound very universal because his return is going to be universal and mm. the flood was universal. So so why does everybody try to, 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 to deny the truth of it? Because they want to support evolution mm. and they want to deny the historicity of Genesis 1 through 11. Because mm. if the flood story is a myth, well, then obviously the creation story or mm. the Tower of mm. Babel and that. And that's the third, fourth one. Yeah. That's the fourth one. Do you believe God literally separated the people at the Tower of Babel in response to their rebellion? Now, what's fun about this one is there is no New Testament passage we can go to to affirm mm. the historicity of this. Mm. Jesus didn't talk about the Tower of Babel. The, the new one. So why, are, why would we put this one in there? Mm. Because again... If you take away part and you want to say, well, that part was myth, then you've opened the door for the others to be myth and yes. non-historical. But if you, if this is true, we have an answer to why racism's out there, why nationalism's out there, why people groups hate each other and, and why there's different languages. We have an answer. Mm. Evolution has no good answer because only, only answer evolution can give is going to ultimately be racist mm. because the superior inferior yeah superior yeah. beat the inferior yeah. yeah and that's it so yeah so we're dogmatic about these things so if i meet we meet i'm probably more dogmatic <laughs> vocally but you're just as strong you're just yeah why don't you talk about it what do you do if you meet somebody who denies one of these things yeah well that is that is difficult because we respond in love as we've always said yeah. but the point is you can't call yourself a church and call yourself Christ followers if you don't follow the words of Christ. Like you can't. Well, yeah. you can, but that but you really can't. Yeah. So these are really important areas that we feel that we need to draw the line on. Yeah. The creation account, the male and female, again we see the attack on that. Yeah. Um what the literal flood yeah. that that defined our 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 being whether we want to admit it or not. And then the Tower of Babel. Those are those are four pretty significant things. Yeah, exactly. So, so we just going to tell you those are just a, sorry, clear tests of what the anchor is. Okay, the anchor is the mm-hmm. Word of God, and this is tests for the anchor. Yeah, people who don't believe this, well, then I I don't trust them. I'm not saying you're not saved. Okay, let me be careful here. I'm not saying you're not saved, but the right hand of fellowship is going to not probably be there because mm-hmm. I don't want you coming into church messing up our people's minds 
and messing up the truth of what God's word says by your interpretations, by you picking and choosing what's historical and what's not. Yeah. So yeah, yeah this is a place we draw lines. Yeah. We do. We don't compromise. And and just to, I want to jump in on there because you hit the main point. Our point isn't just to talk it is it was to talk about those things. But the point is it's about the truth of scripture. Yeah. That's our line. Yeah. You you need to understand do you believe it or do you not? Yeah. So and why this is so important, we meet young people all the time who've lost their faith. They grew up in an evangelical home. They grew up, you know, going to church, reading right. the Bible, and now they've lost their faith. Mm. And most of the time it's because they went and they met these liberals, met these progressives who started picking the Bible apart mm-hmm. and they didn't have an anchor to stand on. Now, we don't have time to go. A lot of that's in our academic institutions, by yeah. the way, Christian academic institutions. Yeah, who, op- yeah, who cracked the door. Oh, yeah. That- We're going to debate this, so then we cracked the door open. I just read a thing by a guy from Northern Seminary. I'll call it out. Have you been to Northern Seminary? There are liberals there. There are well, not liberals. I want to be careful. There are progressives mm-hmm. who are there who put doubt in your mind about the literal readings of the Bible. And this guy's article was so dangerous, mm-hmm. so dangerous. Because he planted the word, he planted, well, he actually said it, that there's doubts about the truthfulness of these stories. And here's the reality. I want to end by this. I want to jump in there for a yeah. second, because I've been using this, this, this phrase a lot with people. You know, one day, those people are going to have to stand before King Jesus yeah. and give an account. In the same way, I am going to have to stand before King Jesus and give an account for my words, and did I lead somebody astray? So these are actually really serious things that we need to be careful about. Yeah. So what we have to be careful about, what you, if you're in our camp, you want to put it in camps, if you're in the people, if you're a more literal fundamentalist, and you're going to be called a fundamentalist and simplistic and all these things, you know, pejorative. Terminology has, well, used to be good. Yeah. 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 Means you believe in the fundamentals of the faith. Yeah. But hold it as a badge of honor. That's what you believe. That's what Jesus believed. Jesus but but realize if you're going to err, you're going to err by not being loving. You're going to be pharisaical and use your truth to just beat people up. Mm. That's where you have to be and we have to be mm-hmm. always cautious that we're not using this to beat people. Like, let's go yeah. go after those trans people. Point. No, yeah, no, we're going to truth. But, but we want to help you because, I mean, the thought of a person who doesn't know who their ultimate identity is and how God created them, we should have sympathy for that. Yes. I use the Bible to thump them. Now- yeah. And then if you're a liberal Christian or progressive, you have to be in the fear that you're going to stand before the Lord and you didn't literally hold on to the word of God that he gave to you. Mm. But why this is so important, I just want to end with this. Um, the fame, and we've read this before, but in BuzzFeed uh, article blew up all over the internet by Jessica Messner. Uh, she wrote an article <laughs> said, why I miss being a born again Christian? And she says this in, in the midst of our article, she says, we evangelicals and are in an in Sorry, let me start again. We evangelicals, with our infallible view of Scripture ripped from our hands, were left gasping for air. So we evangelicals, with our infallible view of Scripture ripped from our hands, were left gasping for air. If you crumble and toss out a literal reading of the Bible, then what does it mean to talk about Jesus literally dying for your sins? See, she went to school, got the Bible ripped out from her because she listened to some liberal professors and progressive professors telling her the Bible wasn't true and it's all myth and that. And she bought into it instead of looking 
and seeing that we Christians have good answers, we have good responses to the liberals. The Bible is true. You don't have to listen to their lies because they sound educated. They have PhDs after their name or they teach at some prestigious university. We have answers. But she didn't look for those answers. She listened to them and she lost her faith. And that's what's happened to too many Christians. So Jesus is our rock but he's given us an anchor to hold on to, and it's called the Word of God, and that's where we draw the line. Thanks for listening to The Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate, but we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we, and let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.